podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday after Liverpool 2, Everton 0 in the Premier League, a result that has the Blues still crying more than 48 hours later. Everton fans are outraged at the fact that their team is garbage. They're outraged at the fact that their team completed less passes than any other team in any other game in the Premier League this season. They're outraged that barring a Dominic Calvert-Lewin header straight into Allison's hands, their team really offered nothing. But of course, it's all the referee's fault. It's all the referee's fault, you see, that Everton lose to Liverpool. It's not Everton's fault. You see, it's a conspiracy against Everton. The referees are actually pro-Liverpool. That's what you all and I don't understand. They understand. They know this is the case. It's just about them trying to educate us. Now, if we travel back in time a little bit to the turn of the century, which was 23 years, 10 months, and now 23 days ago, Everton have played Liverpool 53 times and won five of them. Liverpool have won 29. In the last 29 games between the clubs, they've won once. Liverpool has won 16 times, but it's all because of the referees. No Everton fan has been in the stadium to watch their team beat Liverpool since October 17th, 2010. That's 13 years ago. Uh, They've won 10 of the 63 league games against Liverpool in the Premier League era while Liverpool have won 29. But again, it's it's all because of the referees. This is all happening because of the referees. It's not because Liverpool are better than them. It's not because if you line the players up side by side and you compare them, Alisson is much better than Jordan Pickford. Trent is much better than Ashley Young. Andy Robertson is still better than Michael Enkel. Kanate is much better than James Tarkovsky. Van Dijk is much better than Jared Branthwaite. Alexis is much better than James Garner. Dominic is better than, much better than Onana. Gravenberch or Curtis Jones are better players than Decoure. Diaz is better than Jack Harrison. Salah's much, 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 much better than Dwight McNeil and Darwin is much better than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And Klopp is obviously much better than 
Sean Dyche, but that's not why they lose. They don't lose because Liverpool have a better manager and much better players. They lose because of the referees. So you're just not you're not understanding this. It's a conspiracy against Everton because the league wants Everton to do badly for reasons that only Everton fans understand. It really is such a crock of shit. It really is. It's such a crock of shit. They're awful. And they shouldn't be awful because when you look at their players, like there is a good 11 to be found at Everton. Pickford, Patterson, Tarkovsky, Branthwaite, Michaelenko, Garner, Onana, McNeil, Danjuma, Harrison and Calvert-Loon. Like that's a solidly mid-table team. There's no pace in the team that'll hold it back probably limits it to about ninth, 10th, 11th in the league. There's no real creativity outside of Danjuma. But they've got good suppliers in Harrison and McNeil. They've got a competent goal scorer in Calvert-Lewin. They're strong defensively, individually and collectively. There's no reason for them to be where they are in the league. There really isn't. But they just, they they want to blame everybody else and not actually take the time to look internally and see what's gone wrong. Why are Everton in this situation? I mean, we go back 11 years Ten years, excuse me, ten years. And David Moyes is leaving Everton to join Manchester United. And Everton aren't garbage. Like, they're not a dreadful team. Moyes has done quite well there. They're on about a par with us. Now, we're still better than them, but there's been a couple of seasons in the Moyes era where they were better than us. They've had a number of top half finishes. They'd finished in the top four. Obviously, that's a long time ago. It's, you know, the best part of 20 years ago. But they're not garbage. The season Moyes leaves... They finished sixth. The following season, they finished fifth. Then they were 11th for a couple of years. Then seventh, eighth, and eighth. Then 12th, then 10th. But then the last two seasons, 16th and 17th. And there's no real explanation as to why that's happened. Now, as best I can figure it out, it's because they're run by morons. David Moyes is manager for 11 years. And at the end of this season, it will be 11 years since he left. 11 years with one manager. And in the 11 years since he's gone, Martinez, Unsworth as caretaker, Kuman Unsworth again as caretaker, Allardyce, Silva, Ferguson as caretaker, Ancelotti, Benitez, Ferguson again as caretaker, Lampard, Dyche, and who knows? 
Like, it hasn't gone swimmingly for Sean Dyche. He's won 8 of 27 games and lost 12. So, who knows? But this is why this constant upheaval, no manager lasting more than 18 months, other than Martinez, who was there three years. Koeman was there about 16 months. Allardyce was there for six months. Silva was about 18 months. Ancelotti was 18 months. Rafa was six months. Frank was a year. How long does Dyche last? The thing is, each of those managers has bought players, but each of those managers has bought players to play the way they want to, and they all play differently. Now, there's some similarities. Obviously, they're all, other than Carlo and maybe Silva, they're all largely poor managers and they're all largely dull managers. I think Dyche is a good manager, but he's a dull manager. But they've all bought different players with different intentions, and then the next guy is trying to figure it all out. And this is why they're garbage. It's not because of referees. Like They're trying to diminish our win with the talk of referees, we should have had that game put to bed in the first half. We blew a couple of really good counter-attacking opportunities. And on those counter-attacking opportunities, it's obviously Luis Diaz is the kind of primary culprit of blowing those opportunities. And that's led to quite a bit of discourse and criticism around Luis Diaz. But at the end of the day, he got Young sent off. He was the one that drew both fouls by skinning Young. Andy won the penalty. Andy should have won another penalty. He did more in the, his time on the pitch in general play than Mo did, but Mo scored two goals. And Mo is Mo. So Mo is immune from criticism that Mo can have sinkers week after week if he wants. He's already established himself as one of the all time greats. If you're picking an all time Liverpool 11, Mo is in that team. So, you know, his legacy is, is firm. Diaz is obviously still trying to find his true way at Liverpool. But the idea that he's poor is just, it's weird. His decision-making needs to improve. There's no question about that. His decision-making needs to improve. He needs to become more team-orientated. But he's helping us win games. If you look at our games this season and look at the impact he's made... I'm really struggling to see how you don't see that he's a winning player and easily our best option on that left wing. You go back to the opening day. We play Chelsea. We don't play well. Not by any stretch do we play well. But who scored our goal? Luis Diaz. Against Bournemouth, who got our opening goal to get us back in the game? It was Luis Diaz. Against Newcastle, he was the one that got hooked, which was the wrong decision by Klopp, but not his fault. Villa, he didn't start, I don't believe. Don't think he started against Wolves. My memory of these games is dreadful. I'm almost certain he... Let me just see. I don't. Did he start against West Ham? Liverpool-West Ham. He did. He started left wing. He got taken off. I don't remember if he played well or not. 
I'm, he didn't have a huge impact on the game if he did because do, it doesn't stand out to me. Was he involved in the goals? He was involved in the creation of the penalty for the first goal. But it was actually a bit of a mishit pass. He hit it behind Darwin. It hit Darwin's heel, went to Mo, and Mo won the penalty. So he was involved in in that. But then you look after that. We play Spurs. He has a brilliant goal, wrongly disallowed. Against Brighton, he was the one that fed Darwin to feed Mo for the equaliser. And then yesterday, he's the one that gets us the 10-man advantage. He's the one that gets us the penalty. He's contributing to winning. That's the most important thing. You can have your stats and your goals and all your assists, all the rest. Players who contribute to winning are what's important. That's how we were great for a number of years under Klopp. And Diaz contributes to winning. Does he do it often enough? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you can't doubt that even if he doesn't have great assist numbers or expected assist numbers, he's still involved and he's still contributing. Speaking of contributing, uh, Harvey Elliott's contribution off the bench on Saturday, I think, is noteworthy. I thought he came on against a fairly tired defence, admittedly, but I thought he was really impactful. Um. There were others, obviously, who had a big impact on the game. Darwin, I thought, had another solid game. How how much like Torres did Darwin look as he went streaking down the pitch for the second goal? Like that is that is Torres in full flight, um, and we just looked so much better with Darwin on the pitch. I uh, don't think any of the midfield had standout games. Dominic was involved a lot, but nothing really came off from in the final third, the way he was looking forward to. Alexis, I thought, was the best of the midfield. Uh, I've seen a lot of praise for Gravenberch, and even on I think This Is Anfield today, there's a, a piece fans can't stop raving about Ryan Gravenberch after Merseyside Derby start, and like he was fine. He was 6 out of 10, 6.5 out of 10. He wasn't involved in the game. He showed the, the quality he had in terms of his touch, his dribbling, his balance. But then he didn't do anything with the ball. It was all quite sterile. He had a couple of nice progressive passes, probably about three good actions, but the rest is all turn back and just play it square. He wasn't involved enough and he didn't do enough when he had the ball. And off the ball, he wasn't great. Defensively, he wasn't great. One tackle in his 60 minutes on the pitch, it's just not enough. So promising, fine, but let's park the hyperbole. One fella called him sensational. Someone else said he'd been superb. It wasn't either of those things. He was just fine. He was okay. 6.5 out of 10. Grant got the win, move on. But Harvey Elliott contributed more in the 30 minutes he was on the pitch than Gravenberg did in the 60 that he was on the pitch. That's a little bit where I'd like to see Gravenberg just just impact the game. 
put your stamp on the game. Play with more authority. Because no one can doubt the talent. The talent's never been in doubt. It's about mentality. It's about wanting to be the best player on the pitch and wanting to take control of games. Dominic does it every time he plays. And you'll get people that'll say, oh, well, that's what Klopp wants them to do. If that was the case, why does Curtis not do that? Why does Curtis play the role so differently? If that was the case, why, when Dominic has played left side, does he play it so differently? If that's the manager's instructions, why does no one else follow them? It's the same as when the former captain used to play. And we'd hear that, oh, well, he's doing what Klopp wants. Well, why does nobody else play those positions that way then? The lad has immense amounts of ability, immense amounts of ability, but he needs to start really impacting games when he's starting like that in the Premier League. Again, he was fine, but let's not let's not get carried away. Something we should get carried away with is Virgil. Because I thought Virgil was brilliant. For me, Virgil was the man of the match in this game. Because Ibu had a bit of a shaky game. Costas had a bit of a shaky game. And that midfield doesn't provide a lot of protection. But Virgil was dominant. And he's starting to look a lot more like 21-22 Virgil, which was the best centre-back in the world. Now, that's different from the 2018 to 2020 Virgil, which might be the best centre-back that's ever lived. But when Virgil's like that, we're going to be fine. As I said, Ibu had a bit of a shaky one. I don't agree that he was lucky not to get sent off. I mean, first of all, Beto purposely angled his run into him. Secondly, Beto's not really in control of the ball. Thirdly, the ball is moving to Van Dijk quicker than Beto's getting to Van Dijk. And there's absolutely no way Beto's beating Van Dijk one-on-one from the halfway line, especially with someone like Ibu able to track him back. So I don't think it's a yellow card at all. I think the first yellow card he got given was a little bit questionable, but it is what it is. Um, All things considered, we won the game. They're awful. They've got a real fight in their hands to stay in the division. And they can cry about the referees all they want, but like, the numbers speak for themselves. They just don't beat us. It's, it's as simple as that. Their one win in the last 13 years was a, a fluke. It was a complete fluke. They came to Anfield. We had been really poor for a little while leading into it. We had a raft of injuries and they got some favourable enough calls. Like when they beat us, we'd already lost three in a row. We'd lost at home to Brighton. We'd lost at home to Man City. We'd lost away to Leicester. Prior to that, we had gone to West Ham and Spurs and beaten both of them. But then prior to that, we lost at home to Burnley. we drawn with United, who were crap. We'd lost away to Southampton. we drawn with Newcastle, who were crap. And we'd drawn with West Brom, who were crap. 
Like the wheels had well and truly come off by the time we played Everton. And after Everton, we we beat Sheffield United away, but they're that's like a historically bad Premier League team. And then we lost at home to Chelsea and lost at home to Fulham, neither of whom are particularly good that season. Um, if you look at our team on the day, we've got Ozan Kabak and Jordan Henderson at centre-back. We've got a young, inexperienced, not in particularly good form, Curtis Jones playing in midfield. Henderson gets injured, and it actually saved our season. But we had to bring on Nat Phillips. The other two subs we could bring on were Shakiri and Divock Origi. Like it's a long way from a prime Liverpool. No Virgil, no Matipur Gomez, no Fabinho. Ginny out of position. Like that's that's their one win. Richarlison scores on three minutes when they get very very lucky. The wind catches the ball and Quebec loses the flight of it. And then Sigurdsson scores a pretty questionable 83rd minute penalty. But in the game itself, we had 72% of the ball and they had 28. We had 15 shots to their nine. They, they weren't even good. We were just poor and shot ourselves in the foot. That's their only win. But it it's the referees. Remember that. It's the referees. Uh, what else do this is Anfield have going? There's a piece about Virgil. There is the last word on Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Andy Carroll scored an absolute worldie for Amiens against, uh, in, in the second division of French football. Uh, well worth finding that one. It's an amazingly subtle touch for Andy Carroll. Uh, Jurgen Klopp hails squad depth despite four injuries. Four subs who should be starters, says the manager. Not sure I'd agree with that, but, you know. Um, Liverpool could recall four loanees in January as Fabio Carvalho snub continues. I said when he went there, it was a stupid move. Didn't understand it at all. From our point of view, if he was going to go there, we might as well have sold him. But he's not getting, not getting minutes. Um... Carvalho was, again, an unused sub, and so far he's played 195 out of a possible 1,080 minutes across all competitions, 18.1% of all minutes. That's woeful. James Balagizzi was left out of the Wigan squad. Wigan beat Exeter. He has been overlooked for six of the last seven league games, so what's the point in having him there? Uh, Billy Cometio was absent again as USL Dunkirk's, uh, Dunkirk lost 3-1 to Paris FC in the second division of France. He's missed four of the last five games and he's been unused since a red card on his debut. So he's not even making the squad. And then there's James Norris, who's at Tranmere. And... Obviously, Ian Dawes was manager when he went there. He continued to overlook him. Nigel Atkins, formerly of, well, Southampton. Um, was he at Reading for a while, Nigel Atkins? I feel like he was at, at Reading. Strikes me as a Reading type of manager. 
he was at Reading. He was also at Sheffield United, Hull and Charlton. He, it's funny because when he was at Scunthorpe and then at Saints, he was one of the most highly regarded younger managers in England. And now he's an interim manager at Tranmere, having, having barely worked in the last four years. Um, he got a two and a half year deal at Charlton and was sacked after seven months, three of which were the summer break. So that'll tell you uh, how things have gone for him. Um, but yeah, Norris is still not getting, uh, not getting minutes for Tranmere. And it, like, if the kid can't get minutes at that level, what's the point? Uh, Nat Phillips was unused as Celtic won 3-1 against Hearts at the weekend. This article or this piece claims that he was probably being rested for the game against Atletico Madrid at the weekend, uh, or in the midweek, rather. Um, I'm not sure that's true. I, I just I don't think he's one of the best centre-backs at Celtic, to be quite honest. Uh, I'd say he's probably the fourth best centre-back at Celtic right now. Yeah, so not going great in terms of the the loans. Might be time to maybe change things up. Uh, Liverpool will be glad it missed out on Moises Kite Sado transfers. Everton shows one player is stuck. Well, this is nonsense. If you watched Chelsea versus Arsenal, Moises Caicedo once again for the fourth time in a row dog walked Declan Rice and showed that he is undoubtedly the better player. Uh, Mikel Arteta is proving Jurgen Klopp's, who Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool MVP is. Nonsense. Uh, with Turo Endo start, injury comeback, Jurgen Klopp can deliver three Liverpool boosts this week. Ryan Gravenberg just ignored Virgil van Dijk to intensify Jurgen Klopp dilemma. I'm not sure he has a dilemma at the moment. Uh, Jurgen Klopp steps up transfer plan as Gary Neville makes Liverpool admission. We'll come back to that. Liverpool transfer news is Jurgen Klopp sent 58 million warning and Ezekiel Fernandez wanted. So the 58 million warning is Nico Gonzalez um, of Fiorentina, who's a fantastically talented player, but his injuries would concern concern me. I think he's a very good player, but he just doesn't stay fit regularly enough. Um, Ezekiel Gonzalez, though, or Ezekiel Fernandez, though, absolutely. Absolutely. Mobile, quick, good defensively, good tackler, progressive, press resistant, great passer, entirely two-footed. He's probably two inches shorter than ideal. He's 5'10". You'd probably, Jürgen would probably like a six-footer there if you look at Fabinho, Sven Bender, Seb Keel. They're all around that six-foot marker. But Ezekiel Fernandez is outstanding. Give me him over pretty much anyone else we've actually been linked to. Andre, Gornadot. I, lo- I think Gornadot would be excellent as well, but... Ezekiel Fernandez is is the best of the of the group. Um, Jurgen Klopp transfer plan. Uh, Gen- oh, 
Giancarlo and Asher has been scouted again. So, yeah, we, we knew that. We knew that. Uh, Gary Neville, I was, he was talking about David Ray and how nervy he is. And he was basically lauding Allison then in the aftermath. Uh, on anfieldindex.com, Allison has said he hopes Mo stays and breaks all the records. There's a piece about our left-sided issues at the moment. There's a piece about Joel Matip. There's a piece about Ezekiel Fernandez. And then podcast-wise, there is the latest Rival Recon, the latest Scouser Tommies, and post-match Raw, myself, Trev Downey, and Jim Boardman having a chat. We went about 90 minutes on the uh, the defeat of the Ev. Beating the Ev is always a joyous occasion. And also, uh, if, if you know any Everton fans, if you could just stop them next time you see them and ask them why they were standing outside a house chanting red and white shite, red and white shite, red and white shite. Um, why are you chanting about arson? Like, what's that about? Anyway, I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.